Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Two Brothers, One Mike, Season 6, Episode 14. Today we're going to be talking about the benefits of walking. Johnny, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. You caught me off guard. Uh, normally I know exactly when you're going to hit record, and uh, you caught me completely off guard. Hopefully my game, I, I, that, I usually, you know, like, you know, before we start talking, Joe, I, I'm trying to get my you know, my thoughts together in my head and how I want to approach this. And then all of a sudden I heard recording in progress and I was like, oh, no better time than the present, I guess. Right. Nope. Now you got a new look there. Ladies and gentlemen, if you notice, Joe has, has got a new look now. He's taken the hair from his head and put it on his face. Uh, well, they, like they really it. don't know. Cause I always wore a hat. Yeah. So then I actually yeah, like it. So I like thank you. I, yeah, thank you. I really do. I'm not even. And you know me, I would tell you if I didn't like it, but uh, yeah. no, in all seriousness, yeah, uh, I, 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 it fits you, it suits you. Uh, you pull it off. Is that what they say? He pulls it off. He could pull that off. You know, some people can't pull yeah, that I, off. I used to tell the kids all the time, once the two peaks meet, I'm taking it all off. This is just kind of a preview of what that's going to look like. Yeah. And, and I guess I guess it'll be just fine. Twin Peaks. Yeah. I mean, when you yeah. said that, all I could think of was Twin Peaks. Yep. Nobody who's not an 80s or 90s kid has any idea what we're talking about, right? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, but we're going to get into this about about walking today. And speaking of 80s and 90s, uh, we are going to talk. Uh, we will go back. Not not the beginning of the show here. Uh, we're going to get into the benefits of walking and some of the philosophy behind walking as well. What? You know, how did I say that? Philosophy. Philosophy. I, I really drag. Did I really drag that out there when I just said philosophy? But we're going to get into the benefits and the philosophy, uh, the philosophical views of walking. And then we'll talk a little bit about uh, what goes into my brain immediately when I start talking about walking. So you got any idea what I'm going to bring up when it comes to walking? Yeah, I probably would have guessed it on my own. But of course, I've seen the notes. So I, I guess I would have guessed correctly for sure. Uh, you're not supposed to tell them you saw the notes. They know we, we, they know though, anybody who listens to the show on a regular basis knows, knows that we have notes that we share with each other. I mean, it's only the responsible thing to do as two hosts of a, of a podcast, don't you think? I think so. Well, again, it's not like it's scripted. We just have some points. If there's some important things, we want to make sure we don't forget. We want to make sure that we sure. start to share. Yeah. Got to, got to take note of it. So we make sure it makes it to the show. I agree. hundred percent. Let's get into the benefits. You know, a lot of people don't understand how important walking is. And I think from a philosophical standpoint, the first thing you want to talk about is the simple fact that we're bipedal creatures. We're meant to walk on two feet, Joe. I want you to think about this, and, and this isn't so much to benefit yet, but I want to say this real quick. At, at 10 months of age, we get the urge to get up and start walking. It's in our DNA. It's in our genes. It's, it's, as, it's human nature. It's a necessity, right? And that's been since the beginning of time. And so it's our, it's in our, you know, it's, again, it's in our genes, it's in our DNA to get up and start walking at, you know, I, I hear about eight month olds that get up and start, you know, trying to walk and, and succeed. And, you know, it goes all the way. Usually they say sometimes 15 months old. Um, I can't remember with my two. I, I, I think the oldest, the eldest one, Jake, I think was maybe like 14 months. Jordan was a little bit younger. Uh, we knew we were in trouble uh, with Jordan. Uh, my man was trying to run before he even started walking, which is not good, by the way, folks. Not good. So, um, 
So walking is, again, from a philosophical standpoint, it's, it's very important to understand it's human nature to need to walk. So obviously, from a, from a mechanical exercise standpoint, you know, with the mechanical stress and strength that we get from walking, bone density actually improves greatly from walking. So as we get older, walking becomes more of the exercise of choice. You're not going to see too many people once they get into their 70s doing CrossFit doing P90X, um, uh, you know, do, doing powerlifting. Although we've seen some phenoms out there, some crazy phenoms out there, but that's not the norm. So walking becomes an exercise of choice, and it's a good exercise of choice to pick at that age for those reasons. Your health, or, or should I say how healthy you're going to be at that age, we have to get from point A to point B. So when you're in your late 70s, into your 80s, and, and possibly into your 90s, your ability to walk determines basically your overall health uh, and, and where you're at with your overall health. And so, you know, we hear so many things about people who can't maintain their their balance and the falls. Um, and it's downhill a lot of times after that. So it's very important to understand how to stand on our two feet and walk and there's no better way to be able to continue to walk effectively than to walk. So walking is extremely beneficial from that standpoint, but there's so many other standpoints, Joe. Uh, circulation is the first one I want to talk about today. Folks, I'm not going to get into all these medical terms. I'm not a doctor. Joe's not a doctor. And you know what I'm going to say next because I say it all the time. We didn't play one on TV and neither one of us stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. I know people are probably like, I know we, you've said this a million times, but the point is all jokes aside, we're not here. We don't have, um, a lot of times we have doctors with us on the show, right? We don't have a doctor here today. So we're just talking about it from an exercise standpoint, but it is important to understand some of the things we do understand and circulation is one of them. So when we're talking about circulation, um, as I, as I put my phone on, hang on one second, folks, that's my flashlight. Do not disturb is now on because they'll start calling me, Joe. Circulation is extremely important. Um, when you talk about circulation and the ability to get up and move, we have a show that we talked about heart rate, Joe, and it was more for intense exercises and what the heart rate does in terms of a working heart rate and a resting heart rate. Um, maybe even include that. A particular episode for two brothers of a mic in the description of this podcast. Why not? But um, when it comes to circulation, we're talking about just a smooth, steady walking pace. It still helps the heart to beat and strengthen at a nice, smooth pace. And when you're doing that, you're circulating blood throughout the body. And when you're circulating blood throughout the body, what are you doing? You're supplying all the tissue in the body with what? Oxygen and nutrients. So walking is huge when it comes to being able to continue to supply the body with oxygen and nutrients just from that standpoint right there in terms of strengthening the heart and doing exactly what I just said. Do you walk? I, I never, I know, I don't know the answer to this question. Um, you know, just, just my daily routine. I mean, uh, I've mentioned it in the past. Uh, I usually get anywhere between five to 6,000 steps just in my house alone doing yeah daily routine chore type stuff. So, I mean, I get a lot, a lot in, uh, probably a few thousand the most, uh, who have your orthodox regular nine to five 
probably not somebody uh, working the line like you guys do, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, most that are, that are stay at home or work at home parents, I, I probably get a lot in, but on top of that, I still have my workout. Um, and so, I mean, it, it's, it's nothing for me on a day that I'm doing the lawn, you know, on yeah. doing what I do around the house and working out like 11,000, 12,000 steps in a day. Okay. And it's, it's interesting that you say that because we're going to talk a little bit about that as, as the show goes on. Um, when we talk about, we're going to move over from circulation. We're going to talk about, I always, I always compare this to, um, I don't know who we have. Do we have waste ally? Do we have BFI? Who is our trash collectors in the town where we're at Camel, Ohio? Uh, allied. I believe it's. Is it allied? Yeah. So folks, whoever your trash collectors are, I compare the lip vessels in our body, which run closely with the blood vessels as the, as the trash cleaners. They're the people that come and pick up the trash and take it away. And so your lymph vessels uh, do a fantastic job and walking helps to boost your immune system as these lymph vessels clean out the cells, take out the garbage and throw it out of your body. And so that is another huge, uh, it's, so it's such a circulation, but it's also an improved and strengthened immune system at the same time when it comes from a, from a, a blood vessel as well as a lymphatic vessel uh, point of view. So there's two benefits right there that I think are extremely important. You know, studies, there, there's a ton of studies out there, Joe. And I want to say that most studies will tell you, and I don't want to say most studies will tell you because I haven't read most studies. I read a few studies and I've seen some videos and I've listened to certain people talk about walking, kinesiologists, uh, everyday normal fitness trainers. 30 minutes a day is fantastic when it comes to walking. So if you could somehow get out there 30 minutes a day, we'll talk about, you know, some people may have just asked this question, well, when? When's the best time? We're, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. It's a great question, actually. But you talk about 30 minutes a day. You talk, of, you talk about the ability to do that somehow around your schedule works fantastic when it comes to that circulatory system and it comes to your immune system. And all the benefits that go into that when it comes to improving your body, your overall functioning. And when you combine, all right, and again, this is research, this is research proven facts. When you combine walking on a daily basis, even if you can't get 30 minutes in, we'll talk a little bit about that um, shortly here. Even if you can only get 15 minutes in, when you can walk on a daily basis, we talked about circulation. We talked about the immune system. Now let's talk about metabolism. Research has shown, Joe, that and in our audience out there, that walking will increase your metabolism, boost it for up to 12 hours even after the walk is over. So when you talk about walking, along with a healthy eating lifestyle, you're talking about the ability to, and this is everyone's most important question, all the time. Will it help me lose weight? Because everybody thinks that the harder you work, the more weight you're going to lose. That's not always the case. If you ever listen to our shows, or if you ever listen to anybody who, you know, any, any, any professional trainers or, or I'd like to think dietitians, nutritionists, um, gastroenterologists, people who understand the digestive system 
and how it works. And there's so many other types of doctors out there, medical professionals and professional trainers. They're going to tell you that harder is not always better. So walking coupled with, and the research has shown this with a healthy eating lifestyle can truly help you lose a lot of weight. I saw certain research studies where the, the sample size, okay, of people, a few hundred people, and they were there and over a period of six to eight months, over a period of six to eight months, these were obese people, all right, relatively overweight. They were able to lose close to 100 pounds on a simple 30-minute-a-day walking regimen along with a very healthy eating lifestyle. So no weights, no dumbbells, no kettlebells, no flex bands, none of this stuff. Walking and eating healthy in their everyday lifestyle and were able to lose almost 100 pounds. Am I a huge fan of that over a long period of time? No. At some point, you need to you need to add stress training to your workout regime, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot just walk and 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 eat healthy and do nothing. We talked about the importance of exercise in another episode and how it is not just about weight loss. As a matter of fact, weight loss isn't even in the top five. If I'm not mistaken, Joe, right? And so you have to do things when it comes to putting stress on the muscles, stress on the bone, stress on your body in order to increase muscularity, in order to increase bone density, in order to increase overall health. And so over time, I hope that people in that study picked up a dumbbell here and there or a kettlebell here and there or did some body weight push-ups, um, pull-ups, things of that nature. There's my favorite phrase. I haven't used it in a while. But these are all things that are extremely important, Joe. Would you ever stop working out and just walk and eat healthy? Or is it just something that you feel is embedded in your brain as I have to pick up dumbbells and do workouts with them or medicine balls? What is your what is your take on that? Every six to eight weeks, I like to take, I'll, I'll use it like an active recovery. Every six to eight weeks, I'll do a couple of weeks of just a walking. Just really, you know, I mean, you got to let your body reset. And what I've found is coming back off of doing something like that for just a couple of weeks, um, I, you tend to come back a little stronger. Uh, your endurance seems to be a little, a little higher. I mean, I feel like you, once you give your body some rest like that, um, you seem to you seem to kind of spring back. It needs that kind of uh, uh, reset. You know what I mean. And so it's a difference of of working out. And so I use it more, like I said, as an active recovery uh, part of time for me between doing different um, whatever regiments it may be. I I I float between three different exercise routines, and so in between each of them, I'll usually take a week to two weeks just walking and honestly enjoying kind of zoning out right watching my netflix and just enjoying a good walk and uh not having to worry about getting all crazy in a in a in a routine that day well you're you're talking more about periodic training so you're talking about and we've talked about this uh we have talked about this on our on our show before you're talking more about that resting period in between uh stress workouts where you're adding dumbbells or kettlebells or body weight exercises uh, or high intensity interval training to whatever degree you add it to, or time under tension, all the things we've talked about, um, the foundational training, 
uh, functional strength, all the things we've talked about on the show before. You're just talking about that resting period where we call it an act of rest. You're still moving, which is important, but you're moving in terms of low intensity, walking, and all the benefits we just spoke about, you're still getting, and at the same time, you're allowing the body to recover, recuperate, and get ready for the next battle of whatever that period may be, six to eight weeks of some other type of training and whatever Joe is choosing. So so that's what you're talking about, not so much. I'm saying more about once you, let's say Joe is 72 years old, would you ever stop doing any type of strength training and just go right to walking and just stick with that? I mean, you got to go with what your body tells you, you know? Uh, if you're to a point where where you need nothing but like I have this back issue, right? I don't know where it's going to lead me in the in the future. I'd like to think that uh, Mr. Um, oh Lord, of course I'm going to do it to his name again, Mr. Offerman, who we had on. Yeah, older. Uh, no, stop, <laughs> Alderman. I know it's Alderman. Uh, <laughs> oh, you call? Uh, yeah, you accidentally called him Nick. Called him Nick. Shame on Nick you on that show. Uh, anyways, anyways. Uh, so, so it was, uh, I'd like to think that, that, you know, the stuff that he was talking about is going to alleviate some of those issues, but that aside, right. Let's say, because he even said there may come a point where it's like, all right, it's more than that. You know, you, you where surgery actually is an option. I probably will still opt out of that as much as possible. And if a part of that is me not working out as intense, having to eat a little cleaner and just walk for, for a less, uh, you know, a, a lower impact workout regimen, then that's what I would definitely do. I mean, it just, I, if I could avoid going under the knife, uh, that in and of itself, as we just uh, discussed in that episode, uh, you know, that, that's a, that, that's usually a last option to, that you want to undergo anyways. Uh, if it means that I have to walk in order to avoid that, well, I 1000% would do it that way. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, Joe, we were, we were joking around just now. If you did not watch uh, it would be right now, if you're watching every show and you missed last week, uh, or if, uh, this is three years from now and you're still watching two brothers, one Mike, and you didn't see the episode that occurs right before this one, you just got to scroll back one episode. We had on our show, Mr. Rick Alderman, uh, a orthopedic physical therapist from Denver, Colorado. And he was fantastic. Uh, if you have any type of pain, I don't care if it's knee, elbow, hip, shoulder, uh, wherever that pain may be, chronic headaches. He does a fantastic job. Please watch it. Don't just listen to it. Watch it because he does some demonstrations with the skeleton that he has right there in his home studio. And he did a great job of explaining um, how to understand and go through a system where you can locate not only where the pain is located at, but what the problem may be based on a series of moves or not a series of movements, but a series of different types of, I don't know if it was exercises, Joe, that I want to call it, but the um, the Fixing You series is more about understanding uh, where, might the ne- where might the neck pain be coming from, the chronic headache, the back pain, the lower back pain, the hip pain. And uh, instead, of, instead of treating the symptoms, he looked for the source. For the uh, source. Yeah, and, and it's it's... I've been doing this ever since that episode. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you just have to go back and listen or watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm at a standing desk. I mean, obviously, I, well, I, I would hope you could tell that I'm standing here. Well, this is also my, where I do all my work from. Same, same computer, same thing. Uh, and I'm constantly making this effort now to remember about keeping my knees cracked 
a little softening my knees. Soften the knees. Softening my knees as I'm standing here. Now, I don't have, my back is, I'm having some good days here. So all I can go off is how many days have gone by since my back is hurt. You know what I mean? It's not like it was hurting and I started doing this and now it's better. I'm just trying to kind of increase my good days and offset the bad. But he gave a lot more advice than that. So you definitely want to make sure to check out that episode. For sure. Absolutely. Great episode. Um, and, and boy, I, I don't want to really say it, but I almost, yeah, that being said, we're going to listen to an ad, ladies and gentlemen, from our sponsor. It's about 45 seconds or so. Don't go anywhere. When we come back a little more about walking, we were right back. Two Brothers, One Mike is sponsored by Kitchen Apps, perfectly prepared portions. Hey, Youngstown area listeners, I know we've talked about Kitchen Abs in the past and all they have to offer in food prepping services and protein pancake mixes, but there's another great product they offer we had to let our listeners know about, their own name brand seasonings. They've got a huge selection to choose from as well. Turkey, taco, tomato, basil, Baja, citrus, fajita, barbecue rub, blackened seasoning, as well as steak and meat seasons. And that's just to name a few. You know my favorite part? Besides all of the flavors, of course, It's that they're all low sodium, made with no fillers and MSG free. Know what else is great about them? You can order them right from the Kitchen Abs website. Just go to www.kitchenabs.com, click on store, and choose the flavors of your choice. Again, that's kitchenabs.com. Now, back to our podcast. Welcome back, everybody. So, we're talking about walking, and uh, Joe, we we talked about so many different benefits already when it comes to circulation, when it comes to your immune system, when it comes to uh, several other things. Uh, we talked a lot about, uh, so we went off the cuff for a second when we talked about last week's show with uh, orthopedic physical therapist uh, Rick Olderman. But back on track with walking again, and I, I would have to say it does tie into what he does um, as, a, as a physical therapist. But when you talk about your cognitive function, when you talk about your brain, it's actually amazing because now here's where, here's where I feel like people in the Northeastern portion of the United States may have a problem at times because talk about walking and we talk about the philosophical side of it where we're, we're meant to walk as human beings, right? I talked about being bipedal and being as young as eight, nine, 10 months when we want to get up and start walking. And so we also want to walk outside. It's in our nature to walk outside. And there's actually a study that was done. And I hate where it was done because I'm an Ohio State Buckeye. And I don't even want to say the name. And do I even have to go any further? Because I'm not saying it. It's at that university up north. Leave it there. Where I'm located right now, way too close, by the way. And this research study that was done, it was looking at people who walk outside. Now, I can't remember exactly what it was called. Have you ever heard of, Joe, have you ever heard of forest bathing? I, uh, there's several names for it, but forest bathing is one of them. It's not washing yourself in a river uh, or anything like that. Forest bathing is basically taking in nature in a walk or a run while you're outside. And in this research study, interestingly, a 20% increase in your ability to reason, so reasoning ability, cognitive function, 
uh, mood, uh, in terms of uh, your demeanor, a 20% increase in overall function of the brain with all those aspects included, immediately following that nature walk. So while you're walking and taking in that forest bathing that we talk about, the colors, the environment, the sounds actually help to increase during that walk your cognitive function, your ability to think through and process through certain thoughts. And I find it to be absolutely amazing and interesting at the same time because I never really thought about it before, but it is it is actually way better to be outside walking than it is on the treadmill. And that's where I feel like at times maybe the northeastern portion of the United States kind of gets the short end of the stick because once winter hits, you have your days where it's a nice, beautiful winter morning and it's, you know, 38 to 40 degrees outside and it's not bad and sun's out and you're able to take that walk. But that's, I don't know if that's far few and in between or how that works when it comes to the colors of nature and everything as well, because you're talking about the leaves, you're talking about the grass, the tree, you know, and you don't have any of that. It's just gray and everything's dead <laughs> when you're outside in the wintertime, unless you had a really nice snowfall, right? And that way you're, you're still taking in the crisp, clean air, the environment. And so maybe maybe they look at it that way as well. I would say, you know, that's that's the kind of air that hurts your face. And I don't I don't play in that kind of air at all. So I would say fall would be the best time then, right? I mean, according to this study, if you're walking in the fall in the northeastern portion of the United States, you're walking outside, 60, 65 degree temperatures, leaves falling, uh, the smell of cut grass. Uh, everything that's going on around you, you have the, the autumn, orange, brown, green, everything, uh, yellow. I would have to say that's probably the best time to gain this type of benefit when it comes to cognitive function and your ability to reason and think and process through different types of, uh, I guess I would say adversity or, you know, just, just different types of things that you're trying to process uh, in terms of thought process while you are, I don't know. And again, they said it was immediately following the walk. So what I'm trying to understand is, does it begin to decrease soon after the walk? So is it 20% increase and you better do whatever you have to do. If you have math problems to do, do them immediately following that walk because a half hour later, you're back to normal again. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. That's, that's how I read it. It's how it sounds to me. You know, you only have a, a small window when you make it back. Yeah, I mean, for so forest bathing, thought process, our demeanor, enhances our mood. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I do feel, I used to run a lot, ladies and gentlemen. I did. I ran probably 5K normally, um, uh, two to three days a week, sometimes a 10K, so a little over six miles, maybe once every other week. I never ran much further than that. I liked running. I didn't love it. Um, I got addicted to it in those, to, to most people that are runners, that's a joke to them. You know, five to 10K, that's like uh, a small run just to get something in for the day, barely breathing heavy. I, I would be pouring sweat after a 10K run, uh, but I loved it. I did love that much of it. Um, and I have to say, if it was a fall day and the lead, I, it was, the runs were better. They were. They were better. It, 
because of uh, maybe my mood was enhanced. My demeanor was better, Joe, because I'm running in the park and, you know, all the trees and the leaves and the smell of cut grass and everything that goes with forest bathing. Very interesting. I don't know if that works when you're running on the city streets in New York or Los Angeles, but it works in, uh, dare I say it, in a small town. So, um, hey, hey, they asked for it, Joe. They asked for it. And so I, you know what I mean? See me running in a small town. It's a small town. It's only 8,000 people in our town, I think. Right? I'm not lying. I'm not fading. Yes, I and, and, and decreasing every day, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it sure is. It sure is. When should we run? How far should we run? How fast should we run? There's a lot to go over here, but it really isn't going to take that long to talk about, although we carry it out, even if we don't want to. Um, let's talk about when first. I mentioned two things earlier, Joe. I talked about early in the morning, and then I talked about it a little bit later in the day. So a study, I know people get tired of this, but this is what we do. There's not a study. There's studies out there. There's a lot of them. Proven facts, research. We talk about, let's talk about A1C levels real quick. And you'll say, well, wait a minute. Now you're going to the benefits again. This ties right into when you should walk. There's two, two great times to do it. One's better than the other. If you could do both together, that's ideal. There's studies out there when it comes to eating big meals, which usually may include carbohydrates. What kind of carbohydrates are you eating? I don't know, folks. That's up to you. We have a uh, show all about the glycemic index versus the glycemic load. Check it out. Uh, and you can figure out which carbohydrates spike your blood sugar levels much higher than others. And so let's say you're eating, uh, Joe, a rather high glycemic meal with a rather high glycemic load and your blood sugar levels are spiking high. The beauty of walking, the beauty of walking is that obviously when folks, if you don't know this, when you eat carbohydrates and your pancreas releases insulin and carries the glucose from this particular food into the cells of your body to supply what? Energy. Sugar is present now, all right? And your A1C levels spike high. Walking can actually decrease the effect of that particular process that causes your A1C levels to increase by 40 to 50% when walking directly after a high carbohydrate intake meal which is normally going to be not your little snack in between. Uh, but I'm going to say normally we talk about dinner being the big meal, okay? So a walk right after dinner is actually extremely, and proven scientifically now, extremely beneficial in order to help lower your A1C levels. What makes me angry, Joe, is this. We were always told when we were young and got out of the pool that we were to sit after we ate for, I believe it was 20 minutes. That was the rule of thumb. We were not allowed to go back in the water. Do you remember this? Folks out there, do you remember this? You can't go back in for 20 minutes. Actually, they were wrong. We should have been in that water immediately lowering our A1C levels. And I'm not going to be told differently now. Scientific research proves it. So, 
there's that. Uh, well, I, I always, I often wondered later, uh, because I mean, didn't really know the reasoning behind it, but just knew that, you know, obviously this was something that was like an urban legend or whatever. But then I often wondered if, if it was just a way for the adults to say, you know what, let's get the kids out of the pool while they're eating lunch. We're going to go in and relax for a little bit. And you know what, here's what we'll do. We'll tell them how they're going to drown. <laughs> if you go yeah. in right after you're done eating, you'll drown. So therefore stay out. While the adults can go in and sit down and relax in the pool. And I think that's what it was. They were just reserving their pool time and scaring us in the midst of it. Literally, they know that we were going to start it with our children thinking they were going to literally have cramps and, and drown in the middle of the three foot deep water. The water was only like three feet. I, who was getting a cramp there? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I was in the deep end, thanks to our cousin, Nikki, who that's how I learned how to swim, by the way, folks. He just decided to throw me in there one day. And uh, I, I swam, uh, that's for sure. After you, everything goes to Cousin Nick on that one, um, for sure. I mean, he threw me right in the deep end of the pool at the family reunion. And he had, I, I look at it like he believed in me. That's, that's how I look at it. I, he had faith in me. And, um, and it worked out. It worked out well. I got to the other end of that pool, I'll tell you that. Um, and I didn't get cramps, and it might have been right after we ate. We ate all day at the family reunion. So now you're telling us to move immediately after eating because that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to eat and move, not eat and sit. So, folks, if you don't like the ketogenic eating lifestyle or if you don't like the intermittent fasting lifestyle, um, these types of eating lifestyles where carbohydrates are feared, uh, and, uh, personally, I, I, when it comes to intermittent fasting, it's not that carbohydrates are feared. It's just trying to lessen the intake of carbohydrates, especially the bad ones. Keto depends on who you're talking to. Sometimes I think it's a cult, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, they really take their, their eating lifestyle seriously. But when it comes to the carbohydrates, what we're saying here is if you want to eat your carbohydrates, and you feel like you ate way too much of those mashed potatoes and whatever else you may have eaten that's high glycemic or high glycemic load, get up and take a walk for 30 minutes right after dinner. Come back and wash those dishes after you're done. Or maybe they'll wash themselves. So far, they've never washed themselves for me. I still have to wash my dishes when I get home. But um, I'm going to start doing that. I believe I am. I believe on days when I don't do intermittent fasting, Joe, and I eat a bigger dinner with maybe some bad carbs, quote unquote, I will take that 30 minute walk. And so that's just, that's how I look at it. And here's, so there's the benefit. And that's where that particular time, all right, we talked about when, right? That particular time after a big meal is extremely important and probably the best time to take that 30 minute walk. Then you say, how far? So, if you're able to take the walk in the early morning as well, the early morning we're stiff, right? We need to get out. We need to get moving. We need our body to be able to function properly. And so a walk early in the morning is the number two best time to walk. So there's your two best times after a big meal like dinner and early in the morning before we get our day going. If we're talking about 30 minutes a day, now we break those two down. You got 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes after your, your dinner meal. And... What I would love to see when people say how fast, folks, the for me, the ultimate is to work my way up to, let me say it again, 
work my way up to a 15-minute mile. So if you can get a 15-minute mile in in the morning before you begin your day, and you can get a 15-minute mile in after that big meal, after dinner, quote-unquote, high glycemic carbs maybe or too many carbs at that time or too much food at that time, or not, even if it wasn't too much food, it was the biggest meal of the day. That is what would be ideal. There's 30 minutes, there's two miles, and you got it all done in 30 minutes. That's fantastic. That's moving. That's hauling, actually. You're really hauling some butt there. And I think that's ideal. Some people say, Joe, I can't get, it's going to have to be one or the other. Well, Joe, you brought this up earlier. You always look and see, you get in five to 7,000 steps just in your home. Folks, that's walking. That counts. I work at a place where I can tell you right now I walk more than 10,000 steps every day. When you work for General Motors, just getting out of my car and getting to where I am stationed at is, it. I'm going to say four football fields. No lie. So I could tell you right now I'm getting more than 10,000 steps in a day. When I retire from GM, I will begin to walk. Something tells me I'm going to turn it into running because I have a hard head. But uh, I, I definitely will walk if, you know, if that's what I'm able to do and running is just too hard in terms of orthopedic stress on my knees, ankles, hips, I will walk and I will engage the walking in that manner. So there it is as far as when, and I, I don't know so much as, as how fast, well, yeah, how fast, because you're trying to get a 15 minute mile in, right? So that's what you're looking at. To me, that is ideal. Um, should you incorporate strength training in with the walking? Folks, I'm never going to tell you, no, just go ahead and, we talked about that research study in the beginning, which I thought was really cool, but I hope those people are actually introducing. If you can get in, okay, if you can get in three days a week, two, let's say two to four, right? Let's say two to four days a week of 30 to 45 minutes of strength training. And you can walk every day, at least one of those two times, 15-minute mile, okay, get it, getting in a 15-minute mile, preferably after dinner. If it doesn't work out after dinner, then preferably first thing in the morning. If you can do that on a weekly basis, folks, that is ideal as we continue to age. Now, would that be ideal, Joe? True or false? I'm a power lifter. I can follow that routine and be pretty good at my at my trade. True or false? Um, I would say, I don't know. Why not true? It's as false as it gets. You can't be a power lifter and just walk 15 minutes a day and then, well, I see what you're saying. You're thinking, well, if you're going to do strength training two to four times a week. I was, I was thinking both. I wasn't yeah. thinking one or the other. So I guess from my mindset as a former power lifter of seven years, you're in the gym a lot longer than 45 minutes. So that would be kind of rough. Um, professional athletes or athletes in general, it's going to be rough because there's a lot more that goes into the physical demands of your body. So uh, CrossFit uh, you know, competitors, there's a lot more that goes into it. 
you can have moments where you're only working out for 30 to 45 minutes, three days a week. But for the most part, if you're competing at a higher level, especially, it's going to take more. But if you are looking for functional everyday movement, the workout I just gave you, walking every day, ideally for 30 minutes, 15 in the morning, 15 after a big meal, and getting in two to four days a week of strength training for 30 to 45 minutes, if you could put a program together in that manner, as you get older in life, your functional strength, your mechanical, your ability to carry mechanical stress and strength and, and everything that goes with that, with your body, is going to be, your overall health is going to excel percentages-wise. You have a much better percentage in terms of being stable, being mobile, being flexible, well into your 80s, for sure, along with the health, healthy eating regimen. So that is my idea of walking. That's what I'm going to do when I get up there. That's what Joe, I don't know, Joe, is that what you're going to do when you get up there? You don't know yet. Whatever it allows you to do, you said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do it now. Uh, a lot of times when we have, and it's aside from the regular routine or what have you, um, whenever we have, you know, dinner, it's a nice day out afterwards. It, it, well, we didn't do it too much this summer, uh, but we would always, you know, just go for a walk after dinner. We'd basically just walk 15, 20 minutes in one direction. You got to come home. So you get an easy half an hour to 40 minutes worth of walking in on top of your, right. you know, daily routine. For sure. Yeah. And that's really all you got to do. Um, it's always great to be able to walk with someone because not, not only do one of you set a pace to force the other one to walk maybe a little bit faster, but also you're engaged in conversation during a walk. And if you're engaged in conversation during a walk and you're actually getting in those 15-minute miles, sometimes you don't even realize how fast you're walking and how fast you're moving and the benefits that come with that when it comes to circulation, when it comes to your immune system and everything else we talked about, cognitive function. Uh, and again, I think the biggest thing about being outside uh, from a philosophical standpoint, Joe, we talked about it. We are by nature made to be outside. We are made to walk. And so when it comes to that, forest bathing uh, is, is huge. Uh, we talked all about that. And so just being on a treadmill in the same room, going in no direction anytime soon and just staring at a TV, I, I guess if you have to, because it's, uh, you know, a tornado watch outside, thunderstorms, heavy hail, rain, you can't get outside. It's 110 degrees already. Um, that's obviously going to be a reason why you have to go ahead and go with option two, which is better than no option at all. So that real quick real quick there was one thing i wanted yes. to talk about real fast because you mentioned this about walking with other people and keeping their pace and and it just it threw me back it threw back a memory and oh yeah uh, and so i, I want to give a, just a quick a little bit of of it of, of advice to to the ladies out there who might be listening to us so listen um you know when when you suggest a walk a beach walk after a dinner on vacation, you should go ahead and take a leisurely stroll. Listen, we went on this, I forget where we went to go eat down there. And, and you know, the kids are there and her parents are there. And so that was cool because they were like, hey, we'll watch the kids. And she's like, cool, you want to go for a walk on the beach? And I'm thinking, wind through your hair, walking, taking the lit, holding fingers, you know, not hold hands, yeah. you know, the, the, oh, yeah. and just kind of talking. And 
something very like something out of a homework movie, whatever. I don't know. Sure. We get on the beach and she takes off. She's like Lightning McQueen. I'm like, whoa, hey, slow down. We just filled our bellies. My belly's out to here with sandwiches and beer. And I'm like, whoa, hey, hold on. It was the most, I mean, the whole time I'm going up there and and, and, and she was gone. It was just unreal. It was the least romantic thing ever. Um, I think her idea was to walk off the mill. I had a whole other, so maybe, maybe not so much. You may want to let it be known what your intentions are before you make it there. If you're trying to take your husband so, on a her leisurely walk on the beach. Yeah, her intentions, her, her intentions were were lower her fitness. Yeah. Hers were physical fitness, and and mine were you know some sort of, uh, you know, romantic uh, uh, leisurely walk, which uh, apparently we were not on the same page. But yeah. it is what it is. Uh, yeah, that was just a a a not a very enjoyable moment. But no. it was funny when you were saying that. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that sometimes it's good when you have somebody there to keep a pace. Other times. It could be a real pain, but well, she was uh, yeah, she was looking to lower her A one C levels. She was looking for that cognitive function. She was looking for that clarity, that mood, that demeanor. She was looking to improve her circulation. She, she was, was looking to walk off the food she just gorged on. That's all that. Well, that's, <laughs> that that all goes with it. <laughs> that all. That uh, all I'm certain it. of it. I'm certain. I'm certain. Anyway, so I know there's a few other things you wanted to talk about here. Uh, oh, we're going to close the show now. We're going to close the show with what is mo- most important is sure. we're going to close the show with not all other stuff. We just talked about all the benefits of walking. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure which one I want to start with. There's three things I want to talk about. The first one is anybody who, who hears walking. Uh, the first thing that comes to my head is, is Mr. George Carlin, uh, comedian, George Carlin. If anybody's ever seen the skit where he talks about how every group in the United States has a magazine dedicated to it to show them that they've arrived. And he got into the skit, Joe, and he, did you, did you ever see that, that, that portion where he talks about walking okay. and he just starts, you know, George, he starts yelling and he's like, look, Dan, here's an article in the next walking putting one foot in front of the other. And of course, George decorates it up a little bit, you know, and uses a few adjectives and he's, he's a little, yeah, he gets a little, yeah. yeah. Everybody who knows George Carlin knows what I'm talking about. And obviously I cannot do George Carlin. Um, you know, so you got to, if you ever get a chance go on YouTube and, and search that out, if you've never seen that skit, it's absolutely hilarious. So that's what I think about when I'm talking about walking this entire time. What's the second thing I think about? I think about, uh, walking in the park when I was eight years old with my grandmother and my great aunts and my great cousins, and they weren't playing around, folks. I was like eight, nine years old, and Aunt Elsie and Cousin Eleanor, and you don't even hear those names anymore, right? You don't hear those names anymore. And Grandma Laura, and uh, I can't even remember who the other two ladies were now, um, but... Caroline Marmolich, I think, was the one lady. Um, nonetheless, I'm talking, these ladies were setting a pace that unprecedented. I, I, I was like, we were moving at, Olympic, at an Olympic pace. And I kept up, and I knew that I had to keep up because I knew what the reward was going to be, and that was breakfast at McDonald's. And so I had to keep up with Grandma in order to get breakfast at McDonald's. 
And I'll tell you right now, the park all the way around in our hometown is one mile. We ran around that thing twice, and I guarantee you it was in 30 minutes or less. And uh, that's the one memory I remember, and it's the last time I really took walking serious because I knew walking led to hotcakes and sausage. And that was the only thing that was important to me. I had a goal. When you have a goal and you have a focus, Joe, it's amazing at what you can make your body do. And at eight, eight, nine years old, I figured that out quickly. And so a big shout out to all those ladies. And uh, every one of them have passed away. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it, I, I always think about that, though. Every time I drive past the park, I think about that. I was focused. I was determined, for sure. Uh, so there's that. And then the last thing I want to talk about, and this is important, folks. This is important. That's why we keep it for last. Joe, when I talk about walking this way, there's only one thing that can come to every Gen X's mind. If you're not thinking about what I'm thinking about right now when we walk this way, ladies and gentlemen, I believe it was 1986, and I cannot remember, Joe, the producer. I believe he was a producer who was able to take Aerosmith in the song that they made in 1975, folks, Walk This Way, a pure rock song back then, and brought it to the 80s and ran into what some consider the Godfathers of Rap, Run DMC, and they collaborated together and put that song together on stage and on radio. And I got to tell you, that song was huge. That was one of the best rock and rap collaborations that have ever happened and I think ever will happen. And I mean, I, I ever since I wrote the description of this podcast, Joe, I've listened to that song probably 15 or 16 times. Um, one of my favorite rock rap songs of all time. Run DMC, Aerosmith, Walk This Way. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first, I knew that one was coming because, again, I saw your history in the YouTube stuff. I'm like, yeah, he's certainly- Got to quit giving that away. And so <laughs> the other thing was um, uh, uh, I always wanted to see a collab, though, just only a few years later. Uh, they were, uh, I mean, they were around a lot longer. I mean, it's not that Run DMC, well, they're not nearly as popular as they were, of course. But um, I always wanted to see a collab with Beastie Boys, kind of- Sing uh, that I, might sound white with, with, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and even with just Aerosmith, I mean, I don't know that you would really change that up, but I always wondered how it would sound with the beasties only because they were sort of the same type of rock rap. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And, and Run DMC wasn't all that like that way. Like they, they were traditional hip hop as well, but, uh, Beasties were, were, had their own, you know, that that's what they, they, uh, you think about license to ill, or you think about, you got to fight for your right to party. I mean, that's what they did. Um, yeah. Well, like, okay, pretty cool. Yeah. Fight for your right came off that album. License to ill. Right. Yeah. That was the uh -huh. first, that was the first radio hit. I, I believe. I, I'm it was, sure that yeah, was the first time. Yeah. That was, that was their, that was their debut basically. And then came No Sleep. Uh, till Brooklyn and what you want. No, what you want was much later, much later. Um, so there, yeah, yeah, Paul Revere. Uh, man, we had six guys at our high school, ladies and gentlemen. I believe there was five or six, and they called themselves the Beasties. And I'm going to tell you right now, not only did they really believe 
that they were the Beastie Boys, but we did too. Um, and till this day, when someone says Beastie Boys, I don't even think about Mike D and the other two guys. I think immediately of Jimmy Vargo, Hippolito Gonzalez, Willie Pagan, Joey Carcelli. Oh, I'm going to miss a couple guys here. And Joey O, Joey O. No, uh, no. Pete Herlick. Uh, Joey O was his own. There were the Joey's Joey C, Joey O, Joey M. People are like, who are these guys talking about right now? No, the beasties were, uh, the other group. Uh, and, and I, it was, a, they, they were able to personify the beastie boys and have all of us. That's what we called them. That, that, that's amazing. They were very influential on us. Those guys, um, to this day, we talk about it. Uh, so that being said, Joe, there's one more thing I want to mention here before we head out into the abyss here today. In our Christmas episode, in our Christmas episode, we were irritated beyond belief. I can't remember what the billboard was that was rating the top 10 Christmas songs. And somehow they left Andy uh, Andy Hall out, all right, Dreaming of a White Christmas, I believe is what Andy Hall wrote, uh, which I, I don't know how he's not in the top 10 with that song. They left the Brat Pack. They left the Brat Pack. What now? I'm really thinking '80s in my head. The Rat Pack. They there was not one Rat Pack Christmas song. Not Sammy Davis. Not Dean Martin. Not Frank Sinatra. Not Joey Bishop. Not one of their Christmas songs made the top ten. But somehow the boss, and we'll leave him right there. He made it, and Run DMC's Christmas song actually beat out the Rat Pack when it came to Ann Andy Hall and a few others. I don't even remember if Burl Ives was in, in there in the top 10. I can't remember. And I, I noticed something. We also talked about a movie in the Christmas special. We talked about Die Hard. And we argued and argued, but we didn't argue, me and you. But there's an argument out there that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And some people say, no, it's not. Bruce Willis himself says it's not. And I don't agree with Bruce at all. Because we talked about the big Christmas tree in the Nakatomi building. We talked about the fact that it's Christmas. And then I realized something I've seen that movie so many times I could play Bruce Willis's part and I know every line. That's how many times I've seen Die Hard. And don't you know that about a month ago, it was on Hulu and I said, well, I've got to watch it. I can't just skip past this and watch something new. i got to watch Die Hard again. And for the first time in 40 years, I realized that in the opening scenes of the movie, Run DMC's Christmas Song is the song playing as Argyle and Mr. McLean are pulling into the Nakatomi building. Now, how did I not realize that? But not only does that strengthen my argument that it is a Christmas movie, but now it's almost like, do we have to be okay with the fact that it's in a top 10, Joe? Run DMC. And so, let I'll tell you what. was called. I'll tell you why not. First of all, because it's it's not as good as the traditional ones that should have been in there. But but two, it does straighten the case for what we said as far as Die Hard being a Christmas movie, simply because we had nothing to do with it, but they did make the top 10 for top 10 Christmas songs. And that song was not just in the movie. It wasn't like something playing in the background. It was it was it was music playing as they're pulling in, right? This was right. This was right. So, so, yeah, I think it just further strengthens the case that Die Hard is, in fact, a Christmas movie. 
It is. And I mean, that's all I, I, that, that is the perfect way to end today's show. It has nothing to do with walking, but we've already given everybody the benefits of walking. I wonder how many, I I don't know. Anyway, let's just, you do what you got to do. If you have anything left to say, I've made my case and I don't feel like there's anything left to say about today's show. I really don't. Well, me neither. So until next week, I want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a rating or view on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or opinions, you can leave us a message via the link in this episode description. And finally, remember to join us every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for new episodes. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. All right, everybody out there, thank you for listening. Listen again to this show if you didn't listen closely to all the benefits and how you can implement walking into your workout program. It is extremely beneficial. Obviously, we already gave you all the benefits, and there's so much more. We would have been here for three hours today, Joe. And I got to tell you something. You know what just came into my head? I wonder how many steps Bruce Willis took in the Nakatomi building during that entire episode, during the entire event. He had to be over 20,000 steps. He was all over the place in that building. He definitely got his, his circulatory system had to be way up here. His immune system had to be functioning. His cognitive function had to be extremely high, his ability to reason through things. That's just the way, that's where my brain went just now. I mean, that was a big building.